Welcome back to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. So you probably know today's guest from her TikTok deep dives, which I'm absolutely obsessed with. I was thrilled to get a chance to chat with Meredith Lynch. She's become somewhat of an internet sleuth, uncovering scams and scandals with celebrities and their companies. She's gotten so good at investigating that last year she was even served with a cease and desist letter from both Rachel Zoe and Bethany Frankel. She's smart, funny. I could have talked to her for hours. We get into everything from grief, our stories on people that we've lost. And then she goes all the way through to talking about pop culture. She's so good at taking a pop culture story and breaking it down differently than anyone else does. I got her point of view on everything from Drew Barrymore reversing her decision to go back into production to the new Russell Brand allegations. I think you guys are going to love her. I did. So take a listen to Meredith Lynch. Hi, Rachel. It's so great to meet you and be with you. Thank you for having me. It is so great to finally meet you. Um, We have a mutual friend, as you know, Tim Batici, who we're both obsessed with. I know him personally. I don't really think you know him besides the internet, right? Right. But that's like how I know most people now. Right. Well, (laughs) me too. But Tim, I happen to know he, um, I guess, slipped into, well, I think you had a live that you were doing and he started texting you and you, he sent me a video of you responding and being like, wait a minute, I know that name, Rachel, you could tell, do you remember this? And you were yes, like walking totally. and yes. he was like, you should be on her podcast. And it seemed like you knew every detail about me. And I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. I have to look into who this girl is. And then I, I did a deep dive basically on all the stuff that you do. And I was like, she's amazing. This is so great because everything that you talk about is stuff that I'm like, what's the deal with X, Y, Z, you know? And as I said to you when we were texting that I have these people in my head that are my fake best friends, which would include Kathy Griffin, um, Chris Hansen from To Catch a Predator, John Oliver, and sometimes Bill Maher. Now we could talk about the breaking news that he's stepped out of, you know, wanting to do, you know, bad things or whatever. But like now you would be in my group. Of, of oh my god <laughs> thank you i'm honored to be there honestly it would be a hell of a party i it feel would. like it would be a great great group of people i also love chris hansen one yep. time i won like through nbc i won like they were like you can get a frame or not a framed like a signed photo of someone who hosts dateline like i won a contest for it and i i don't know how this was like 15 years ago right and so so like i stalked the people at NBC to get my photo. Like I, <laughs> like it didn't, like I kept being like, where's my photo? Where's my photo? And then finally one day in the mail, I get this like manila envelope in Sharpie. It's addressed to me. And I'm like, what is this? Like, is this like, like someone like, is this like a scary letter? What is this? Right. And I open it up and all that's in it is just a signed photo of Chris Hansen. <laughs> But did you put it on your wall? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. It was on my fridge for a while. And I was like, they were probably like, shut this girl up. Like she's like, she won't stop harassing us. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I actually am so obsessed with him that I had him on my show and I made him do that whole thing with 
will you please take a seat? <laughs> I mean, it was so embarrassing. Um, so, you know, he, he just, I made him repeat it a couple of times. I'm just obsessed with him and his stories are fantastic. So anyway, he's great. Anyway, you know, he hosts, he owns his own network now called True oh. Blue. It's really cool. It's a streaming network. It's all stuff like the ID network. It's all Dateline type stuff. He's recreated to catch a predator. Everyone should watch it. He's fantastic. (laughs) I can't get enough of that stuff. So it's good to know. Yes. Yes. So part of um, why I felt like we had a little bit of a kinship is because we both have shared beyond a lot of opinions, but we've shared um, losing a parent. And I don't want to, you know, get too sad on this podcast, but I do want to talk about it for a second because I know you do talk about grief and how that's affected you. And it's obviously affected me. And, you know, I don't know if you can share some of your story and and how it's affected your life and where you are today, but um, I would love to hear a little bit about that and the impact that your, um, that your mom had on you and your family. Thank you, Rachel. I I really do enjoy talking about that. And I feel like I love meeting like grief pals, like people who just get it. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, like I was saying, I think it was on that walk, my live where I started talking about you and you're probably like, is this girl my stalker? Like I promise (laughs) no, but I remember, I really do remember the first time that I saw you because I remember the first time I saw you was on the news, you know, um, after September 11th, I can remember seeing the photos of you. And um, but then, you know, of course, years later, seeing you uh, on VH1 and I was like, I was, you know, I was young, but I was like, this woman's grieving. Mm. Like this woman is deeply grieving. That's what's going on here. And I just was like, and I think you you knew that. And I think it was like coming to a head, but I just, I felt for you and I just appreciated your authenticity and your story. And I think you have given people a real gift by sharing your story and sharing your vulnerabilities. So thank you for that. Oh, um, nice. Yeah. I, my mom passed away when I was uh, a junior in high school. Your dad died when you were like a teenager, right? I was 15. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was, I was 17 and I feel like my life is divided in between like before my mom died and after my mom died. Do you feel that way about your dad? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like down to like, think like down to like, Oh, that TV show was on that one. Wasn't. Yes. Oh, a hundred percent. And it's like the, well, obviously it changed me as a person, but uh, you know, thinking of things from before and after, it, it definitely separated my life. Like I'm from Anchorage, Alaska. My life is also separated from when I lived there versus when I lived in New York. And I can remember people, images, thoughts, feelings clearly. And I left when I was five. So it really divided my my life. And I felt like I had to grow up immediately and become a different person. Although I don't know if you felt like this, um, you know, so many people are around you when things like that happen right at the beginning, especially. Mm -hmm. And this happened both for when my father died when I was 15. And then when I lost Andy, when I was 26, um, so many people are around for at least a month. Right. And I remember it kept me from really dealing with it. And the first time I dealt with it or felt anything, I was in the shower and it was probably because I was alone and no one could be bothering me. My head was just you know, my thoughts were with myself and I just started hysterically crying. And that was the first time I felt that feeling of like emptiness or loss mixed with like an anger of like, 
how could you do this to me? Like, how could you leave me here? And I think that was like the saddest thing for me. And it's always been that, like that, that I felt kind of left behind. I don't know if you feel like that. Oh, a thousand percent. It's like in the beginning, everybody else is processing it too. Right. And so they're going to show up and they bring you food and, you know, um, it doesn't feel good, but like, at least you're not totally alone. And then, then like a little bit of time goes by and people go back to their regular lives. And I totally get that. Like, I understand that that has to happen, but at the same time, that's when I think the, the grief really starts to come out. And that's when I think you need the most support. And it's when you start, the support gets less and less. Right. So, and like, it is the messiest part. Like I really like, I give so much grace to the people who stayed in my life, like right after my mom died, like not like a month after, but like a year after and two years after, like if you stuck with me through that, I am so grateful because it was messy and it is hard, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, like those are the people who really, I feel like cared Mm -hmm. and stuck around when it was tough. And I don't know if you have like people like that too, you're yeah. like, oh, okay, you were actually there. But like, yeah, there's a lot of people who fly in and they bring food and they're really sorry that everything happened to you. And then you like never see. And then, okay, how about the people that you like never see again after that? Who you yeah, thought you were close with? I know it's such a weird thing too. Well, people deal with grief and death in such weird ways, which is fine. But, you know, I also remember for me, I was like weirded out about feeling okay laughing after do you know what I mean? Like I, I caught myself laughing and I was like, oh my God, I shouldn't be. And it wasn't even about that. It was, I shouldn't be happy. I shouldn't be going on. And then another thing that, you know, uh, two things that I really dealt with. Um, and I want to know if you feel like this, I kind of went down a path of like, not caring being like, I, you know, this is so awful that, just, I don't know what this whole thing is about. Everything happens for a reason. Nothing happens for a reason. This can't happen to someone like this. I'm just done with like having any sense of right and wrong. Cause I just don't even know what that means anymore because nothing seemed real. Um, and what w- did you feel like that at all? Oh, a thousand percent. Like, I feel like after my mom died, I was like, well, the worst things already happened to me. Mm. So who cares? Right. Who cares what I do? Who cares? Like, you know, who knows if I'll even, I don't know if you've experienced this with your dad passing away, but like, you know, I'm getting close to the age that my mom was when she died. And I'm like, who knows if I'll even make it that far. And like, that's something I work on. Do you have that? Like, yeah, my father died when he was 44 and my 44th year, I was like weirded out by it. When I turned 45, I remember thinking, I'm older than my dad was when he died. And this is so bizarre and weird. And like, it's just so sad to me that he was so young. I mean, I can't, you know, I'm 48 now to think yeah. this age. Cause I still feel like I'm 25, you know? Well, and- you look incredible by the way, you guys, oh. I know you can see her, but like Jesus Christ, she is gorgeous. Like, <laughs> um, but anyway, carry on miss aging in reverse. <laughs> um, no, no, I just, it, it obviously affects people differently. Um, it took me many years and still I get trapped in it a little bit of, you know, 
not have, so yours, you lost your mother for me. I don't have great relationships with men. I didn't really learn unconditional love so well because of that. I wonder if you felt like you missed out on some nurturing. Um, I, I felt like I had to hide a lot. You know, it's almost like an embarrassment that I lost a parent, especially the way that I lost him. Um, did you feel that way at all? Um, going through it? A thousand percent. I remember being so embarrassed moving into college because I didn't have my mom. Like everybody had a mom, right? And everyone's mom was moving them in. And I had like my aunt who was like, kind of like half like paying attention because she had her own family and her own kids. And then my Mm -hmm. dad, who's really nice, but like he wasn't totally fully equipped to do all this stuff. Right. And so I do feel like I would hide sometimes. Like I, it was really hard for me to tell people that I lost my mom. And I don't know if you went through this, but like, sometimes I would tell people like, Oh, well, my mom passed away and they'd be like, Oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, this is like a big deal. Did you ever have that happen? Yes. Yes. And you're like, I just shared something vulnerable with you. So I got to the point where I was like, you know what? I'm just not telling people like, because you go through this experience where you are vulnerable. And so then I think what I ended up doing is even though like, you know, I, I had this, had my dad, I think I still pursued really bad relationships because Mm -hmm. I felt like the person who loved me the most left me. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously she couldn't control that. I get that. But like the person who loved me the most left me and like I would seek out people who I think I knew deep down were not available. Yeah. And, and that you could leave that. Yeah. And you could leave them before they could leave, or you wouldn't really care uh, if something, not if something happened to them, but kind of like, you know, you are going to go down a path of like being okay with yourself. And if they disappeared, that, that was okay. And normal. I mean, for me, I lost my father to a cocaine overdose and then my fiance to terrorist murdering him. It's like, if that can happen, then like no one's staying around because the odds of that happening are zero to to none. Right. And then like the fact that um, it keeps happening to me just to me meant no one was going to stay. So, you know, even with something like cancer, you know, it's such a scary thing. And even when someone gets it, you're like, but they'll never die from it. I mean, I will know someone who will go through that, you know? Um, And then when it happens, you're just like, well, how did that ha- how did that happen obviously to them but how did it happen to me that i'm that person that had to survive it surviving it is is tough too you know um so anyways i have a lot of respect for you cuz i love thank you um, hearing you open up about it. i think thank it's you. so important to have um, you know, a platform that you do where you can talk about it and i love that you kind of talk about this like dead mother's club kind of because as you were saying a lot of people you'll be like oh yeah you know i went through this I lost this person and people that don't get it or haven't had a parent die kind of dismiss it because they just don't know how big of a deal it is. And even if you don't deal with it inside, it really, you know, is breaking something inside. So to all those people listening, we get you. We see you and like, (laughs) we get it. And it is freaking hard and find other people who have been through it. Don't you think that's like, has that been helpful for you to like meet other people who have like seen, like, I always say like, Oh, you like these people have seen some shit, like people who have been through, you know, grief the way you have. Yeah. And also you don't have to go through something traumatic too. If somebody could have just died of old age, grief is grief. So you don't have to compare anyone's grief Mm -hmm. and say, mine's bigger than yours. You're, you know, whatever. It's like, if someone is feeling lost, grief being lost because they've lost someone really important, you know, I get that. I'm sure I know you get that. So, um, it's something that is a universal feeling when you do go through it. So, um, all right. I want to move off of sad topics. (laughs) 
This episode is brought to you by Kitsch. I love beauty products. So does my daughter. Sometimes I literally have to hide them so she doesn't sneak in and steal them. We are obsessed with anything that is easy to use, has great results, and saves us money. And that's where Kitsch comes in. Kitsch is a game changer in the world of beauty and hair products. Kitsch is a female-founded company that started in 2010, and now they are carried in over 20,000 retail locations. They believe everyone deserves a little indulgence, no matter your budget, your skin type, or your hair type. I change my hair up consistently and constantly, which makes it hard to keep it healthy. But Kitsch's heatless satin curling rollers help save your hair from heat damage, and their rice water shampoo bars can actually improve your overall hair growth and fullness. Who doesn't need that? Now, I know you've probably seen Kitsch's satin pillowcases, caps, and eye masks, which are great while you sleep, but for a limited time, you can live out your Barbie dream with the Barbie by Kitsch collection, featuring Kitsch's best-selling satin pillowcases in iconic Barbie pink. So this is what the company sent me. I got two gorgeous, hot pink satin pillowcases. We slept on them last night. And let me tell you that I am just obsessed. I slept on one. My daughter slept on the other. Um, she swears by it because she's so into this get ready with me stuff that she actually added it into her story this morning. She said that her skin felt better and her hair looked less messy than it usually does. For me, all I know is it felt great and it looked great on my bed. Well, right now, Kitsch is offering you 30% off your entire order at mykitsch.com slash understood. That's right. You can get 30% off anything and everything at mykitsch, that's K-I-T-S-C-H dot com slash understood. One more time, it's mykitsch.com slash understood for 30% off your order. But um, so you said, where did you go to college? Oh, so I went to a small like Catholic college in, in Bo outside of Boston, but okay. I think, did you go to UNH? I did. Oh I did. my God. Which Look is a really you. weird scenario. I went cause my boyfriend went from high school. Don't ask. It was so <laughs> dumb. We broke up the first week and then I basically dated the whole football team. So Good for and you, then I had to get out of there. I graduated a year early because I was so over it. And so, did you go right to New York? I did. I did. Yeah. But um, but I know that you moved out to L.A. Did you go did. because you had big aspirations? I know you want to have a talk show. Like, did you think that way no. back then? Why did you do that? So my husband and I were in the pandemic and we were like, OK, who knows how long this is going to last? And I say this with like the caveat that like I realize this is, sounds a little privileged, but my husband wanted to go to business school and we just wanted a change. And we were like, if we're going to be stuck somewhere, like let's be stuck somewhere where the weather's better. Let's like have a change in our lives. And so we decided to move out to LA. I got a job out here. I've always worked in like the nonprofit sector. I got a job in that field and he started going to business school out here. And while we were out here, like we moved during the pandemic, I knew no one. So it was mm -hmm. like, okay, it's like, you can't even, you couldn't even go out to eat when we first moved here. Like the air quality was the worst it's ever been because there was so much cremation happening. Like it was so awful. Yeah. And so it was like, okay, so I can't, I don't, there's nothing I can do. So I just started making TikToks and like, I started making videos about like makeup and like pop culture and things like that. And then they just took off from there. And then it just kind of became this thing. So I still have like my regular nine to five job. I still do that. And then I do to this, this on day. The... You still yeah. do that? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I know. Wow. I <laughs> I'm didn't losing my mind that. a little bit. Yeah. I'm losing my mind a little bit. 
And the celebs are keeping me busy this month because they're out of control. Mm-hmm. But um, it's been a lot of fun. And like I was always like I, I majored in communications. Did you major in communications? You seem like I you did. want to. Yeah. Because yeah. UNH has like and a psychology. I did it. Oh, look at you. See, you're smart. Well, no, I just had been through a lot of psychology. So I knew I could <laughs> ace that in case I didn't ace the other one. That's the only reason. <laughs> so I was like. You know, this all felt very natural to me. And because like I have this background in nonprofit working on a lot of like marketing communications type things, I think I am able to like look at pop culture and celebrity a little bit differently. And like I was an inquirer kid in the sense that like my mother would read the inquirer and I would like sneak it. Like I've always wanted to read the like headlines. I always love celebrities. Like that was just my thing. It's always fascinated me. And so now I'm here and just taking it one day at a time. So you had something that kind of went viral, I think that started everything off. Am I getting that right? The thing with um, what a celebrity eats in a day or something like that? Yes. Did, did you make that answer? Up? Like, what, tell me about that. How did that go viral? What did you do? You know, I don't know how it exactly came to be, but somebody was like, oh, you need to look at like, I think it was like Kelly Ripa's what I eat in a day. They were like, you need to look at Kelly Ripa's what I eat in a day. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Like, I'll look at it. So I looked at it and then I started making these videos where I would like deep dive into them because like they really are like, first of all, a lot of it is advertising, right? Like a lot of these ones, when they do these, what I eat in a day is is like, oh, I eat like, you know, I drink athletic greens. Is that your sponsor? Sorry, I don't want to fuck you up. No, not (laughs) at all. (laughs) So a lot of people are sponsored by athletic greens, but I was like, (laughs) you know, and I'm not necessarily saying it was that one, but it would be like, oh, I I eat these gummies and then I do this. And then I watch this TV show while I work out. And you're just like, this is basically an advertisement, but also like it's not, it's not great eating tips. And I also am very of the place of like, you know, I think it's fine to get like some ideas from celebrities about how to live your life. But sometimes the food stuff, I think you have to be really careful about. And like, I've dealt with food issues. Like, I just think it's good for us to look at these things through a critical lens and remember Mm -hmm. that these are celebrities and they're like plugging something. So I started doing those and they kind of took off. Mm-hmm. And then I just kept doing stuff and doing stuff. And then Bethany Frankel tried to sue me and Rachel Zoe tried to sue me. And like, then it just kept going from there. So I want to ask you about that briefly. Yeah, um, of course. So how do you decide like that you're going to do a deep dive in something and like how, well, first of all, I answer that. Okay. That's a really good question because people send me stuff all the time. They're like, I want you to deep dive this. And like, you guys, I say this with so much love, like the deep dives come to me. I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you ever feel like this and stuff in your life. It's like, I have to kind of find them and get drawn into them and want to do them. Like I can't just, and sometimes people like they have a real personal connection to one. They'll be like, I want you to deep dive this because it's like affecting me. And it's like, like, that's just like, they they just happen, right? Like they're very Mm -hmm. organic. And typically I'm working behind the scenes on one for quite a while before I will put the video out. Like I really check my resources. So it's something that has started as a red flag to you. Exactly. What's the deal with this? Exactly. And that's not to say that sometimes people don't send me something and I go, Ooh, that's weird. But the ones that have turned out the best for me are the ones that organically strike me. And I bet you feel the same way about like when people are like, Oh, you should have so-and-so on your show. And you're like, "Mm, I don't like, okay, maybe, but if you, if you saw them and you were like, I want to have them, it's different. Does that make sense? Of course. Then I chase it with a vengeance, like a stalker until (laughs) I get to the bottom of it and get them on the show. No, I totally hear you. Um, all right. So like, for example, with Rachel Zoe, um, how did that come about? 
Oh my goodness. So I think what happened is somebody actually, this is so interesting. Somebody told me to do a, what I eat in a day on her. They were like, Oh, do a Rachel Zoe, what I eat in a day. And I couldn't, I know I couldn't really find one, right? Like there was no, there was nothing out there. So I was like, well, I can't really find one, but I was like, Oh, what's she up to? So what happened was I started like just reading her like Instagram stuff, like looking at her Instagram stuff. And then I remembered that she had one of those subscription boxes. Have you ever Mm -hmm. done one of those? I have, but I, you know, they've never worked for me, but Allison, my producer was telling me how she did like a fun fit fab something. I don't know what it is. And she said she loves it. So they, they, it worked for her, but it's never worked for me. Like that stitch fit fix stuff. Like that stuff doesn't work. Yeah. And have you, so I think I did it like once, like I've tried one or two, but nothing, like nothing ever took off for me. And like in the back in the day, like I gifted birch box to people, like, I mean, like 10 years ago, People seem to like it, you know, like as a Christmas present for people, but yeah. people say FabFitFun is like one of the better of, of the ones out there. So I'll say that. So yeah. I started looking at the fact that Rachel had a subscription box and then I started reading the comments on the subscription box. It's called, the company is called Curator and they put yeah. out a subscription box. They do it once a season. And so you get like four boxes a year. So I started looking at the comments on the Curator Instagram page and they were just out of control. Like it would be like, I haven't gotten a box in a year and you're charging my credit card. I got, um, you know, stuff in the box and it wasn't what, you know, like it, it broke or um, you charged me twice and I can't get in touch with customer service. Right. And a lot of their posts would be like, we're so sorry. Like we're having delays. And like, that's just weird, right? Like for a company, that's weird. So I started making videos about it being like, Hey, check out the comments. This is really weird. And then uh, I started digging into some of the companies that were in the boxes. And I think this is fascinating. So I'll share it with you. Mm-hmm. So you would see like an eyeshadow in the boxes. Like I'm going to make up the name of it. Like, um, like, I don't know, Duchess eyeshadows or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, and it's be like vegan eyeshadow. And you know, it's, it's, uh, I don't know, organic. And you'd be like, I've never heard of that brand. Right. Like, it's not like, oh, it's a, you know, Morphe palette or something like that. Yeah. You're like, I've never heard of that. So like, what the hell is that? So then you'd go and look on the Instagram page of the company. Cause they would tag it and it would have like 70 Instagram followers and it would mm-hmm. only have like four posts and you'd go on the website and the website would be like no product on it. Totally sold out. So you'd be like, wait a minute. And then you'd look up the address and it would like link back to other companies that she has in her boxes. So I'm like, this is what they do. They're going private label, creating mm-hmm. brands. And then they put them in the boxes and they're like, oh, this is like an, it doesn't mean that it isn't organic. It doesn't mean that it isn't like vegan or whatever, but right. it's not like, but it's oh not my- these individual yes. companies that are participating. Exactly. And so it's not like, oh my God, here's a cool brand. Cause the whole point of the boxes, right. Is that you're supposed to find a product that you love and then want to buy more of it. Right. 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 So you can't really do that with that. So I started calling that out and then I was a little bit newer to the game. So I guess I shouldn't have said that she was Bernie Madoff in a caftan. It was a joke, Rachel. (laughs) Like kind of funny, kind of funny. All right. So So she um, sends me a cease and desist and that was that. Yeah. But cease and desist for what? For, for talking, for defaming her or. So basically what they said in the cease and desist is, and you and I probably both know this, but just for people out there, like a cease and desist is not a legal letter. It is not from a court. It's basically just being like, hey, you're on our radar and you should stop. And they yeah. said, 
like that I was, they said I defamed her by calling her Bernie Madoff in a caftan, which is a joke. But um, they also said that the comments that I shared, like, you know, I was screenshotting the comments. They said that I photoshopped them. Wow. How could they even say that? They, I mean, they, they could, they just could, you know? So they were like, well, I you guess know, they were creating a narrative in exactly. case it played out later. Exactly. I mean, that's pretty ridiculous. Okay. Right. Um, okay. So then did you stop talking about her? Did it scare I did. you? Because cease and did. desist, as I know, because I've gotten a couple and I've sent plenty, um, are meant to scare people. Yes, I did get scared. Um, just because I'd never gotten that before. And it was very scary. And I only had um 12 business hours to respond. So I only had 12 visits like to take things down and to figure out what to do. So as you know, like a Friday in LA to find a lawyer when you're not somebody who's been through this is not easy. So I was like, all right. Like, so I ended up getting a lawyer and figuring out the best thing to do. And the best thing to do was to take them down. Um, They did ask, even though, even though you had not Photoshopped them. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, And like, I was just like, I just wanted it to go away. Right. Like, and I'm sure you've been there too, where you're like, you know what? I just wanted this to go away. Like this is going to, I want to protect my peace. But the funny thing was, is they asked my lawyer to have me write a letter and say, I would never defame Rachel Zoe again. And my lawyer was like, absolutely not. Because he said, what they're trying to do is get you to put in writing that you defamed her. Yeah. Right, and then yeah. they're going to take it to a judge. And so I'm really glad that, you know, I was grateful that I was able to get a lawyer, glad that I did that. Um, and I did take them down. Um, I've since put some of them back up. <laughs> right. Well, has anyone, like, has anyone called them out for it? Like, really? Like, has the New York Times done a deep dive themselves? Because I feel like that's something that people would look into. The fact that, like you've talked about on on your TikToks, that a lot of these businesses seem not legitimate or seem like there's something up with them. And and I think that that would give people some red flags to want to do some digging. Well, you know, what's funny. I was like, I actually think that this is a story that could be picked up and I'm kind of surprised that it hasn't been. I just watched, have you seen that new documentary BS high about the like fake high school? No, you but should watch it. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm like, Rachel's not the only one doing it. Like, mm-hmm. so are other subscription boxes. So about a month ago, this is good. About a month ago, I hear from this woman and she basically is like, I own a small business. I did a deal with Rachel Zoe's curator box and she has, and she's not paying me. And it's like three months past the date. Uh-huh. And the funny thing was, is like a month before, cause you know, like I'm still keeping a pulse on things, Rachel, Yeah. a right. month before I go on the Instagram and I look at it and there is a small business that literally wrote in different than this one that said, Hey, we've been trying to get our past due payment for months. Please reach out to us and let us know how we can get paid. I was like, that's not normal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not normal to see like companies asking to be paid via Instagram comments. As I was going to say, they obviously couldn't reach them through their contact at the company. So they had to go kind of public with that. That's incredible. Right. So this other woman going through the same thing and she's like, here's the deal. So I made a video about it and I was like, Rachel Zoe, you need to pay your vendors like you. Yeah, you probably saw it. And so, you know, the good and news what is, happened? Did anything happen from that? She got paid. Wow. I know. Like 48 hours later. In the meantime, Rachel Zoe's team did reach out to me and they were like, you need to take your video down. And I was like, no, not taking it down. <laughs> 
Because like all I was like, this is alleged. This is what I've been told. Like now I know all the so now you know the, the keywords. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, I just ignored their emails. Like they sent me two emails that were like the first one was like pretty nice. And then the second one was like, you need to take it down immediately. We will not stand for this. I'm like, I'm not taking this down. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not. I know like it is. I know it sounds like people think it's so silly, but like it is actually like it is freedom of speech to be able to say like that that. Yeah, well, there, there's, you know, it's interesting because people get freedom of speech mixed up, sort of, you know, it's one yeah. thing to defame someone to call them ugly, old, fat, you know, a whore, whatever it is that they're saying. But it's another thing when you have facts, and you're just talking about, you know, things that are facts, and, um, you know, and you're putting out the evidence that is freedom of speech. I mean, don't you think and making people aware as long as you're not lying and coming up with evidence that is not there. Right. And, you know, if it was true, if this was untrue, I think Rachel and her team could have done something to refute it openly, but they didn't. And, um, you know, the woman ended up getting paid in 48 hours and that is all I wanted. And so as soon as that happened, I did an update and said, I've been told that she's been paid. That's amazing. That's all we wanted. That's amazing. That's uh, yeah, that's amazing. And shows how big your platform is. I mean, that says a lot. Do you think you have something to do with the fact that um, Drew Barrymore decided (laughs) to not go back to work because of everything that you were talking about on your TikTok? You know, it's so funny you say that because a couple of people reached out and they were like, I think this has to do with like Deborah Messing calling her out. And I think it's a I think it's a combination. I think it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. There were a few creators. um, I don't have you do know Molly McPherson. She does a lot of PR stuff Mm -hmm. um, and she was calling it out. uh, A couple of other other creators, along with members of, you know, WGA and et cetera. So I think that it was a collective thing. And in my video where I where I called out Drew, I really tried to remind people that this isn't like, oh my God, we now hate Drew Barrymore and we need to cancel Drew Barrymore. It's not about that. It's just that this was a bad decision to do. And if you watch her video, like it's pretty strategic what she's doing. Like Mm. it's very, it was very much a PR thing. And I'm really glad that she changed her mind. So I, I don't know if I definitely played a part, but I don't think it hurt. Yeah. Well, I do think it was interesting that, you know, she did what she did. She said what she said. And then she came out again, probably a PR move because she was just about to be canceled. Really, Um, you know, was like, I've made the decision. I've listened. I've learned and I'm going to take a step back. But what I thought was interesting is she was like the leader of the pack because then the talk said they were going to continue to shoot um, Jennifer Hudson. um, And then as soon as Drew backed out, they backed out. So it was a very interesting thing because she she does have a lot of power, I guess, um, like her or not. But I th- you were very clear from the beginning. I remember listening to you saying, I've always been a fan of Drew Barrymore. And I think it, I did see some of the comments in um, on your TikTok and on on other places where people were happy that she made the decision, were not, you know, so obnoxious with her, you know, about the fact that she had flip flopped and were, were okay with kind of like accepting her apology. So I thought, that that was all fine. Um, wait, so let's go back to um, Bethany Frankel for one second. Sure. Yeah. How did that feel? Uh, first of all, how did you decide? W- were you scared of her at all? Did you think that that was going to be a bad thing to even have her name in your mouth? And did you expect it to uh, end in a cease and desist? Okay. I was scared of her. I remember the very first video that I made about her. 
I remember being like, listen, you guys, I got to We got to talk about something. We got to talk about Bethany for a minute because she's getting a little out of control because when she first came onto TikTok, I really liked her. She was like doing these makeup videos and they were like really funny and cute and like in her closet. And it was like, you know, pretty still pretty much pandemic time of like, you know, more distancing, et cetera. And so I was like, oh, this is good. But then I just started to feel like it was getting kind of like forced, like there was a narrative. And Mm -hmm. then I started to remember like, you know, she did this whole thing where it was like, I know nothing about makeup. I, you know, I'm just getting into makeup. I want to find the best stuff for you guys. But I was like, she had a makeup line before. Okay. Like she used to make YouTube videos about makeup back in like 2011. You can still get them online. She used to do them on YouTube. It's fine. I don't care, but it's like, you clearly came up with a strategy of like, I'm accidental influencer. Um, and I think it was, you know, like it was, it was planned and that's, that actually in a way I totally like, not in a way I totally get and respect that, but Mm. you got to own it a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Um, so I started making some videos about her and, um, she blocked me pretty quickly. Like as soon as I started calling out, like, you know, like she would be like, you know, I, I never had a beauty line. And then someone would be like, I saw a creator saying you did. And she'd be like, uh, very briefly. And so it was like, what version do you want to tell? Right. So anyway, was a little nervous to make them, made them. And then eventually I got the cease and desist from her, which mm. I have a feeling why I got it when I got it, um, which was that she was trying to sue TikTok like a year ago. Do you remember this? Yes, I do. She was trying to sue. I love, I love chatting with you because I don't have to like give you the backstory on stuff. Like I don't have no, to be she like. She was trying to be further her likeness <laughs> being yes. used, right? Yeah, that was interesting. So I think what she was trying to do is she was really trying to become the champion of TikTok because she was like, I'm going to do this for all the creators out there. And I actually made a video supporting that. I was like, I think it's good that she's calling it out because it's happened to me. Like people would steal my stuff, like companies that have a lot of money would take my things and be like, oh, look at this person likes us. It's like, uh, yeah, but like not for free. Like if you're going to yeah. use my picture and you get that. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, she... I think she was trying to clean up her image on there because I wasn't the only one who got one. I don't know if you remember this, but you know, my friend Bunny got one too. And like, it was Bunny had been very frank about her interactions with Bethany of like trying to do a talk show or not talk show a reality show with her and how that went. So I think she was really trying to make sure she looked good on the app and You know, I do think she still has people who love and really like go hard for her. But I do think that not just what she did to me, but like kind of just how her persona has come across on social media has pushed some people away who were really team Bethany. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you about that then. Um, She obviously is championing this reality reckoning um, movement. And that's obviously part of her personality. I think it seems like she's been looking, she's always looking for, you know, these big movements to be a leader in, which is fine. I mean, it's respectable, but in some ways, I think a lot of people are saying that this is backfired. She obviously is biting the hand that fed her. Um, and also, you know, the way that she's coming at it is so aggressive and kind of collecting all these people that have former grievances that might not actually be what, she's trying to get at. Do you know what I mean? Like 
a lot. And and I guess it's a question that's up for debate. But, you know, are people who signed on to a reality show and are paid to look dramatic, be dramatic, can they say they were abused into doing that kind of thing? Um, you know, I've been on a reality show. I know how they work. Um, not similar to a Bravo housewife show where it does seem like they're all arguing um, like that. But, um, you know, I do know that things can be staged and I've interviewed enough people on this topic who are have been part of it. Things are definitely staged as like, okay, we're going to take you to the beach today. We're going to take you here and see what happens. But not like you better drink this and act like a total fool and go have sex in a closet or we're pulling your contract. I mean, by the way, I'm my own person. So that would never fly with me. I'd be like, no, I'm not doing that. I had no problem with the way I was represented on Celebrity Rehab because they I knew that they couldn't edit me to look a certain way because I was who I was. And if, you know, they edited me to be a crazy person, it's because I had to have a little crazy in me. I mean, they're not that good at making you look one way if you're completely the other. So I think people have to have some big responsibility in how they act. But then, you know, I think it's a whole nother thing that people want money from reruns happening like that. I get, I mean, you know, that's a whole separate issue, but what are your thoughts on the reality reckoning situation? Well, Here's the thing. I don't disagree with her that, you know, it's good for people to have protections at work and to, and it's really important to be able to feel safe. And I do think like, you know, I thought you came out of, of that show really good, but I also think that reality TV has changed so much, right? Like I love old reality TV. And when I say old, like, I mean, anything like before, like, 2011 2012 I think was different than Mm. what we see now and this is why I think of it think it is because I read this whole article about this I think it's because people see reality tv now as a launching pad to bigger things Mm. so they get on it and then it's like okay I want to have a wine label or I want to have a jewelry line or I want to have a clothing collaboration so they have to really develop a persona on the show that's really big that will get them stuff off of the show. Right, right. And people, I think originally, like I had Eric Nissan, who was from the original cast oh my God, yes. of The Real World. And he was so interesting because they didn't do it to be famous. They were like, this would be so cool to be in a house with a bunch of strangers. And like, you know, let's see what happens. I don't even know what will happen, but they weren't like, oh, I'm going to get a line out of this or a modeling contract. So um, it's the intention is so much different. But, you know, my threshold was watching the Vanderpump Rules reunion when I thought it was so abusive. Um, I know people make mistakes. I know that not everybody has anything right. And I know it's a reality show. But the way that people were talking to Raquel, Rachel, whatever you want to call her, was so wrong, in my opinion. And the fact that the staff stood by, the producers, the fact that Andy stood by, the fact that Lisa stood by as adults and watched what I, in essence, would call kids, but they're, you know, they're not. They're in their 20s and 30s. Speak to her. Don't talk, you moron. You're nothing but a loser. You, You know, all these things, that is abusive. That can affect somebody's mental health. That is crazy to me. And, you know, I just thought that was when they should have been like, okay, cut time out. You can't talk like that. You can't stand up over her and point your finger and call her names for something that didn't even occur to you. It wasn't, you know, the other girl that it happened to. I thought it was so wrong. And I stopped watching. I thought it was just too much and dangerous. 
Well, you know, it's funny you say that because I also think it's like, what is Tom being held accountable for compared Mm. to Rachel? Like, you know, and I know, like, I think obviously wasn't a great choice, of course, to for her to pursue this relationship. Um, but at the same time, Raquel, I really do believe is like on a quote unquote healing journey, like whatever that mm-hmm. looks like for her. And I like hope that she is doing OK. And I think, you know, she has really stepped away. Yes, she did the interview with Bethany, but she really has stepped away. And meanwhile, Tom like continues to be on tour. Tom is still on the show, right? Like he's still profiting off of it. I don't think she's probably profiting off of it very much right now. And I think that this is where I think the issue was. Bethany had Rachel on, Raquel on. And I think it was more about serving Bethany than letting Rachel get her story out. I actually think Rachel handled herself as best as she could, but it's really that Bethany has this ax to grind with Bravo and the way that she was perceived and this like reckoning that she's on. And I don't even fully disagree with her with some of the things that she's saying, but also at the same time, like for me, it was a little hard to watch when she's like a woman's voice is a powerful thing. And I want Raquel to have her truth. And I want, and it's like, but you tried to silence me. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's really like, to me, I'm like, you're kind of a hypocrite. Like you sent me a cease and desist that said, if I told anyone that you sent it to me, I'd be breaking my confidentiality with you and you could sue me for more money. I don't have confidentiality with you, Bethany. Like I never have, I never will. So I do think that she plays kind of dirty. And I think that she, I think she took advantage of Raquel. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I thought it was you know, a very interesting move. I mean, listen, I get it, but it was self-serving because this reality reckoning thing was happening. Exactly. And that is the one girl that can talk about on the subject and be like, you know, who everybody was wondering if she was going to sign up for that um, whole experience. So, I mean, I get it. I see why it happened, but, um, you know, I appreciated hearing Raquel's story. So many people still were just they had picked their side and didn't want to hear anything else. But, you know, don't get me started on the whole thing about, you know, the, the, the secondary factor of what happens to women in situations and they are the ones that get blamed and the men don't hear anything and they get to profit on it. And everyone loves a comeback with a man, but a woman is forever scorned wearing a scarlet letter. So it was sad to me to hear her say like, she didn't have any work. She couldn't get any work. Um, she didn't know where she was going to go. Um, my scandal happened 14 years ago and I, still was having a hard time finding work. So I started a podcast, um, you know, and it's monetized by advertisers, thank God, based on what the, um, you know, what the topic is, as opposed to me trying to get a job. I literally couldn't. People thought I was, you know, untouchable because they thought it was too much scandal involved, even though that happened 14 years ago. And you are like, so smart. you have a degree, like, you know what I mean? Like you, you have like real experience and, um, it really, it really sucks because I am with you. I think that doesn't happen to men in the yeah. same way. And no, like, it if takes it, your credibility yeah. away. And for men, it's like a pat on the back kind of right. like, Hey, it, it just happened and you move on. And, you know, so anyway, all right. So I want to go back to one thing. Cause you were talking yeah. about this stuff with the subscription boxes and these companies, not just these people you're doing deep dives on. You've talked a lot about ending the, the wealth gap and private yes. equity and data and how these private equity companies, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it is a little bit of a topic that most kind of goes over some people's heads, but 
basically saying that the data becomes more valuable than the company itself, right? And that's what they're really buying, like the, our um, email addresses or the yes. fact that we're on, where are the data connected to these celebrity companies? So talk about that, like break it down just a little yeah. bit for people that don't yeah. know what I'm talking about. So private equity is when a firm comes in essentially and buys like a big chunk of a company. Um, sometimes like the whole thing, sometimes like a percentage of it, and it's no longer a publicly traded company. And I think maybe the best thing to do is to give an example of one that's you're in New York, one that's happening in New York right now that I'm okay. like seeing in real time. Century 21. And I don't mean the real estate place. I mean the clothing store, right? I'm sure like I, when I would visit New York back in the day, it was like one of the places that I loved to go, right? Yep. If people don't know what it is. Rachel, can you tell them what it is? Like it's a... So it's a it's like a fashion for less, I guess, is what you would call it. And you can find all sorts of things. Like my favorite jean brands were there, for example. That's why I went. But everything was like a fraction of the price. But they really had good stuff there. So it to me, it was elevated from like... Um, you know, a TJ Maxx or anything like that. Um, but it was definitely, you know, you could be rich and go shop at Century 21. It wasn't like you had to be some poor person off the street and you were bummed about going in there. It was like a good place to shop. Right. It's like a, it's like a design, you get designer stuff. Yeah. Right. And so anyway, it closed, it was a family owned company. It closed down, it closed the last stores closed, like probably, I don't know, like five or six years ago. So mm -hmm. the big thing in New York city this spring was, oh my God, century 21 is back. And mm -hmm. people were so excited. Right. And there was a big opening and, you know, the mayor was there. And so I was like, huh, this is interesting. Cause you don't see like you don't see big box stores opening that much anymore, right? Like we just saw Bed Bath & Beyond close, right? Like there's no more Toys R Us. There's no, like all these places are closing. So why yeah. is this opening? So I was like, I got to look into this shit. Well, sure enough, it was opened because it is now owned by Legends. Legends is the hospitality entertainment group that owns like the concessions at Yankee Stadium, they own the like, if you go to the top of the Empire State Building, they own if you, um, they own like the Central Park Boathouse that's reopening. They are a conglomerate. And wow. I'm like, shit, this is why they're reopening because they're reopening under this bigger thing. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that they did at the opening weekend was like, giveaways and, you know, sign up for our email list. Cause we're going to open in other locations and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because what they're going to do is you're going to start, like, I guarantee you, if you gave your email that weekend, you've probably already gotten an email being like, come to a Yankee game. Right. Right. Oh, so it's double dipping. Oh, exactly. I see okay. So they're promoting all their businesses with the data they got from there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It makes so much sense. Kind of brilliant. It's, but it is. then don't you think that it um, saturates or or dwindles down like how good something can be? I mean, totally. How does that even work that they can spend all this money in different places and then make sure that the quality is what it used to be or so, ever was? 
that's a great question. And that's the big thing with private equity is they always want to do more with less. Okay. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, we're seeing this a lot with like, like Dunkin' Donuts is owned by private equity now. So if you go to Dunkin' Donuts now and you're like, why is there all these mobile, like you have to like, literally my Dunkin' Donuts now is like you order at a kiosk in the store. And like, it's, I hate that. It's such a pain in the ass, right? Because it's like, and it's not the people's fault who are working there, but it always gets messed up. And anyway, the reason you have that now, the reason you have that is because that means like less employees mm-hmm. and they can be like getting more orders. And so they're making more money. And they're also like, are always trying to get you to do like the Duncan app, right? Like that's also data grab. Right. So with century 21, I haven't seen, I haven't checked in like a month, but they had said, oh, we're going to have a bunch of more stores opening. I haven't seen anything about any new stores. And I've been looking at the comments and people are like, your selection sucks. <laughs> Because what they do is I bet that first weekend, it was incredible. I bet it was amazing. I bet they were really fully staffed. And now I bet they have cuts. I would imagine they've cut staff. I would imagine that they are not bringing in the inventory that they used to bring in. And Uh that's exactly what happens with these places. Like, it's just like when you start, it's like a relationship where in the beginning, you're like, oh, this is so shiny and new and great. And you're so, and then you're like, oh, like now I'm getting to know you a little bit better. And like the cracks (laughs) are coming in and that's what happens with this. But you know, what's interesting. So somebody pitched me an idea. Um, They wanted to talk about the fact that their med spas are, are changing and private equity is getting Mm -hmm. involved. And so it's um, now it's reminding me because I didn't even know what the hell they were talking about. And they were saying that it's going to be bigger. It's going to be franchised all over the place. It's an alternative to plastic surgery. You can go in and do all this med spa stuff and they take a bunch of people and you have to be a member and all this stuff. I like going to my personal person that knows my face or, you know, and in a position like that, it's like you're just one of many. And the customer service, in my opinion, kind of dwindles down where it just becomes like a bigger, better, but it's really not. It's like you don't have that personal touch. Who knows what you'll be getting? And I just think that when you're when a company is like expanding like that, unless they have like individuals working there that really care about you as a customer, I think it really dims the shine kind of, by the way, what you were talking about before, you know, when you go to a um, airport, it's such a pain in the neck to sit down and get a glass of wine, to sit there and do that stupid thing where yes. you have to plug in everything. And then you have to yeah. get the app to pay. Right. And I look at the waiter who's standing there and I'm like, can I just place the order with you? And they're like, no, you have to go online. You got to get the app. You got to put your credit card in. It's so frustrating that they want to take away people's jobs, which just seems like it would be better for people too. I just totally across the board. Right. And like, I think it's like, that's where we have like the interpersonal connection. And a lot of times what ends up happening too, with these private equity firms is like, they reduce like the benefits that that employees get. Like I've talked to people who have worked at places and they're like, oh, it changed to private equity. And then it was terrible. Like, you know, my benefits were terrible. Um, But with the med spas, like laser away, you know, like the, there's, they're a chain, they're private equity. And so a lot of people have told me like, okay, I got a membership at laser away because they were, because that they say that's the most economical. Right. So now they're Mm -hmm. charging me monthly. They're like, I can't get an appointment to save my life. Right. It's just too many people there. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I totally hear that. Um, Okay. So let's talk about things that are in the news, if you don't mind for a second. Obviously we've been dealing with a lot of celebrity apologies. I know you've kind of covered a lot of those. I want to ask you, what do you think would make a good apology? What advice would you be giving these guys on how to make an apology? 
Okay. So for, here's an example of one where I think they went really wrong. And I think, you know, what they did was not good. What Ashton and Mila did with that letter was not good. They should not have done that. They should not have done a video apology. They should have put out an Instagram statement on their page that just said that was more sort of like, I think they're starting to get it, but like now they're sort of saying we've reflected, we've listened. They should have maybe waited a day or two and then put something out that was like, we did this. We, we made a mistake. We are sorry. And here are the ways that we're moving forward. For example, obviously Ashton ended up stepping down from the nonprofit. They should have waited. And then that could have been part of the apology. Right. Right. I think celebrities need to know that the like, no makeup, cheerful apology now. It doesn't work. Like we just don't buy it. I'm sorry. Right. Do you buy it? No, I don't. Well, I've sort of stopped watching that stuff. I mean, I was kind of obsessed with, I was shocked when uh, Danny Masterson got 30 years. I I was really shocked by that because if you lock me in my bedroom for two days, I start to freak out. So just the thought of 30 years was already there, you know, like, that's what I was thinking about. And I wanted to know like what that first day was like. I wanted to know what was going on in his wife's head. That was what I was focused on. And then when I started to hear about this letter that they had written and some other celebrities were coming out talking about how great he was, I was like, oh, this is not going to go well. It's you not going to land well. Yeah. You yeah. Sh- you should just, just shut keep up. your mouth shut. Yeah. Um, that whole Scientology thing to me is very interesting that they all kind of stand together. I, you know, I find it bizarre, but you know, to each their own. Um, so the whole thing, I just think that a lot of people should stay out of things and not get so involved. It's just my, um, opinion because it tends to backfire. Um, right. You know, I haven't really seen someone get involved in something unless it's like trying to set the, uh, you know, West Memphis three, you know, free, you know, right. those are things that maybe get involved in, but you know, I, I, I don't know other stuff when it has to do with sexual harassment or rape, I don't know. Maybe don't get so involved is my opinion. Yeah. And I actually like a lot of people say, oh, I think that like Scientology has something on Ashton and Mila. I actually don't. I actually don't think that like, I don't think that's why they did it. I think they did it because they I think that they, I do think that they were asked to do it by the family. And I don't think mm. they thought the letters would go out. So I it would get out. So I think that's why they did it. And then they got into damage control. And I don't think people are not either it's one of two things is happening right here is people are not hiring PR firms that are savvy enough for the media right now, because I think Mm -hmm. that a lot of PR firms are, it's not that there are people there who are working there that don't get it, but I think the people at the very top who are usually, and you probably know this, like, like the people who are at the very top are the ones who work with the very high level celebrities, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're a PR firm, a big PR firm, your CEO is going to be the one who works with Ashton and Mila. Sometimes I think like the junior person should be the one doing it because their finger is on the pulse. I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, you get a lot of people who are just really clueless about how to handle situations because they don't understand the situation or pop culture and what an effect that entertainment news has on the court of public opinion. I mean, I really think that that they're missing the boat on that sometimes. Um, you know, I, I find it odd when somebody steer someone in a crisis management that's like why would they have ever said that or done that yeah it seems it seems odd to me for sure um but you know with other scenarios like the russell brand one what how do you think do you think that was all russell or you think somebody was guiding him 
Oh, I think someone has been guiding him for quite a while. Oh, I think. Yeah, I think. Do you think they are doing a good job? Um, for him, for what he wants to accomplish. Yes, I do. I don't agree with it at all. But when that video came out on Friday night of him being like, Hey, I, something's going to come out about me and it's the mainstream media trying to push me down. And, you know, we have to, I have to be able to use my voice. And this is about all of us having freedoms, et cetera. He effectively dog whistled to enough people with that. And I don't even know if it was dog whistling. I think it was like full on whistling to some degree. He engaged enough people by being like, oh, this is about my voice and your voice and me being silenced. I really don't think anyone's trying to silence Russell Brand. Like I don't like I, I just don't. And so I think, unfortunately, I don't I don't like what he did in getting ahead of it. But I think that it worked. It did work for him because people are like, even last night, you know, because I am of the, I'm like a team believe women and Mm -hmm. that's just like where I fall. And so I want to watch the documentary. I want to see, but like, you know, people are writing in and saying the like things to me that are just so rooted in victim blaming and victim shaming. And I'm like, I'm just not personally going to engage with that. But like somebody, a lot of people are like, this is because Russell Brand is getting too close to the truth. And so someone last night writes in and is like, Meredith Lynch actually works for the me, works for the World Economic Forum. I saw that, yeah. I'm like, fuck no, I don't. Oh, sorry. Do we swear on here? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. Like, I'm like, do you think I made like that sounds like a way better pay grade? <laughs> like, so I'm like, so basically what they were saying is like she's connected to this. Like, that's why she put out a video. I'm like, no, we're not doing this. Like, that is creepy conspiracy stuff. And like, that's not true. And that could actually end up really hurting me professionally. That could end up hurting the other Meredith Lynch who has this job professionally. So, but here's the thing. That's exactly what Russell wanted. Like, I don't think it was about me specifically, but he wanted people to like question everything. Right. It's like he's throwing something over here. Yes. So people look over here. So yes. maybe they're not looking over here, you know, and to get back to what we were just talking about before, there's so many people that already have taken sides, um, you know, without facts, without knowing. Um, and then there's people standing up for him, st- you know, just like, you know, Ashton and Mila were standing up for Danny. I want to say one thing about that. So y- you may know someone who is a great guy to you. And they may be wonderful, treat women and men well, but in their past, it doesn't mean that they haven't been bad or done bad things, made bad decisions. So all those things that people want to say or letters people want to write on behalf of someone, I understand it. I do get why if you're so close to someone and you've never seen those behaviors, you want to say like, wait a minute, I don't know this person to be that. They're a great father. They're a great whatever. That doesn't mean they didn't sexually harass them. And 20 years ago or recently, I mean, it just is not your experience with them. So I think people really have to be open minded to what all the facts are. And again, this is why I have my show. So many people are misunderstood. The media will guide you one way. The the public's um, appetite for that story and that, you know, the frenzy about it will will create even more for the media to get into. And so I do think it's important for people to have their own narrative and be able to say something doesn't mean that it's true what they're saying, but you know, it is important to really get the facts before you take a side. Like, I think that is so important. And that's totally. why I like how you do the deep dives because you're bringing facts to people that they might not know. 
Yes. And I really, that's why I, like when people say, like, as we talked about earlier, when people are like, oh, like do a deep dive on this. I'm like, sometimes I'll look into it and I'm like, there's just not enough there. Like, I can't bring you guys something that I don't feel like I have enough stuff with. And like I said, when I reported on the Russell Brand stuff, I said allegations. I, uh, I yeah. must've said it 30 times. These are allegations. Okay. Um, yeah. I have talked to people privately um, over the last couple of days who've been like, yeah, it's true. Hmm. And obviously I don't, again, that's what someone is telling me, but then I'm getting comments that are like, well, I know someone who had sex with him and they said it was consensual. And they said it actually took him forever to take his jeans off because they were so skinny. And I'm like, I get what you're doing here. You're I'm, I'm sure he had consensual sex with someone. And just because it takes someone a while to take their jeans off, doesn't mean that they aren't capable of, of sexually assaulting someone. Right. Right. For sure. All right. So that'll be interesting to see how that plays yes. out. Um, all right. So you've talked a little bit about fashion on your TikTok. I know you really like Jenna Lyons and her um, and her fashion, even though sometimes it could be a little expensive. I actually want to ask your thoughts on Kanye and his wife and what the hell's going on there and what's their end goal with that? Do you follow that at all? I do. And like I was just texting with some people about that. And I said, this is my prediction. There is going to be a pregnancy announcement within the next two months. Interesting. Okay. I don't know if she's pregnant already, but I think, I think that's going to be what happens. Um, I, you know, I am of the mind that Kanye is, is not well. Um, and I do think that this is a pattern that he has with women where he wants to control how they look, how they dress. We saw it with Amber Rose. We saw it with Kim to some mm-hmm. degree. Um, yeah. and listen, I give the Kardashians a lot of shit. <laughs> I do. <laughs> But it doesn't like I don't hate them. Um, I don't think that they're like inherently bad people. I've heard the nicest things about so many of them about like how they are with with like in terms of how professional they are, respectful they are. And I actually have a lot of empathy for what I think Kim has gone through with Kanye. Um, Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine how it must feel right now for her to have to like explain to her kids what's happening with their dad. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's really concerning. And I hope that what like, here's the other piece of it. Like, I'm like, okay, well, I hope that woman's okay. The woman Bianca, um, I hope she's okay. But like, also too, I'm like, I guess like bodily autonomy, if she wants to do that and that's what she wants to do, I guess that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is bizarre to me. I don't get it, but I feel like there is an end goal there. I don't know if they're starting a clothing line, you know, with Hanes or a bra company. <laughs> I'm not really sure. I think it's so weird, but um, okay. So they're, you know, they're just very interesting. All right. I want to know something. You have been showing pictures recently of your, uh, lunches with Kathy Griffin. I want to know how that came about and why all of a sudden you're also hanging out with people like Rosie O'Donnell. I'm obsessed. <laughs> why? How, oh my God. how can I get invited? What's, what a, what's what a time on? to be alive. Um, we got to get you out here on the West coast for a week. Um, but uh, you would, you would thrive at one of these lunches. So Kathy and I met on TikTok. Um, she reached out to me on TikTok. I have been a, fr- a fan of hers since, I mean, I was a fan of hers in like the nineties when she would do commentary on MTV about the real world. She's always, I've always thought she was funny. Um, and I loved, I don't know if you watched, um, my life on the D list on yes. Bravo, but that was, it was such a good reality show. So authentic, so funny. She's so smart. So anyway, 
she reached out to me on TikTok and invited me over for lunch. We live not far from one another in LA and, uh, she invited me over for lunch and wait, um, time out, time out. Has yeah. she seen a specific TikTok that made her say, I'm going to like this girl? How okay. Was- Do you know what's really funny? I think the first one that she saw that she liked of me was that I was like, Hey, like, I think something that we lose as we, um, as more and more Nepo babies become like the ones who are the big people is that like we lose a little bit of like the scrappiness in people. And I was like, for example, I always found Kathy Griffin to be really scrappy and, you know, she had to really work, right? Like she, and she wrote back and she was like, yeah, I used to like, my parents, I used to roll quarters, (laughs) like, you know, on my kitchen table when I was like trying to become an actor. And so that's how we ended up first talking. And then, um, yeah, she invited me over for lunch and, um, you know, I really, you know, she's a great, great person to hang out with a really interesting person. And, um, she said to me at the end, she's like, yeah, like, I just, I like meeting cool chicks who like are smart and interesting. And I'm at the point where she's like, I just, you know, say, Hey, you want to hang out? And so, um, from that, you know, she has very, you know, we've had other time hanging out together, but then also she has these salon lunches that she hosts and salon dinners. And, I say this because like, I think that it's a really cool concept. And so what she's trying to do from them is bring back the art of conversation. Mm -hmm. So salon dinners for anyone who doesn't know are these like parties that I think they like, they date back, like, I don't know, hundred years or something like that, but I can't remember who used to really do them. There was some, like, I don't know if it was a president, but basically the idea is like, you get together a really interesting group of people who might have like some shared, you know, thoughts or whatever, but different walks of life. And you bring them together for a meal, no phones allowed. Um, and oftentimes in one conversation at a time. So we all talk as a group the entire time. Sometimes mm-hmm. we get in trouble because we end up having side conversations, but no side conversations often. And at the meal, there is a topic. And so, you go around and you like voice your opinion on the topic. So for example, it might, you know, it might be like something that's happening in the news and you all, and you get these really incredible perspectives on it from really interesting, smart, different women. Do you get the topic before you go to the meal? No, you don't. And so like you also cannot study. Right. Exactly. And, but if you don't know about the topic, like we'll give you like a little, a little like once over, you know, like, or, right. you know, someone might say like, okay, I really can't, can't say because I don't know enough about that, but let me tell you what I thought of this thing that was really similar. And so I don't know about you, but like, I feel like you're the same way. It's like, I just want to hear like fucking smart women talk. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it's like, it's like your own private, the view, you know, with right. no cameras around where everybody can have their different view and each person's experience in life makes them so individual and different. So their view on it will probably be different. And to hear other people's views sometimes is really eye-opening because it can change your mind or it can just bring you to a new thought process. I think that's really important. I love that idea. Yeah. You should be hosting them. I think you could start the East coast version. Yes. I'm, I'm, maybe I should do that. You and I can do that together. <laughs> totally. I'll come in for it. <laughs> so my, one of my last questions to you, I'm going to say, I want to know if there's something that is raising any red flags for you that you are going to do a deep dive on or something that you're just like, I love saying this. What's the deal with like, for me, I'll give you an example. This yeah. is so dumb. But like, I remember a guy, um, stood me up once it was a blind date. I hadn't met him. Um, during the day it was a lunch date and his excuse was the, they were installing a Nielsen box on his television. <laughs> 
And I still to this day, I'm like, what's the deal with Nielsen boxes? Have you ever <laughs> known anyone that's had a Nielsen box? I actually don't think they exist. And with streaming now, like they're kind of becoming obsolete. So like, what's the deal with Nielsen? That's something I would want to know about. And I want oh you to do God. a deep dive on it. <laughs> it's so fucking funny you say that because you're not going to believe this. Like, Don't tell me you ago. have one. No, I don't have one. Oh. But a month ago, I got a survey in the mail from them and they asked me to send it back and they sent me like $10 with it. $10 fucking cash. And they said, if you do this survey, we'll send you $20 cash back. And I actually haven't stayed there because I was like, hey, who doesn't like a 20? I'll oh. do a one page survey. But I'm with you in that growing up, I knew that it was a thing like these are the Nielsen, but I didn't know anybody who had the box at home. Right. And like, listen, I was always sizing up everybody else's house. Like I was like the kid. It was like, all right, here's the deal. Your house is nicer than my house. Like what the hell? So I was, I would have known if someone had a box, Yeah, but like, it's too so bad if anyone's listening to this and you've ever seen or heard of someone, you know, having a Nielsen box, I want to know because I think they don't exist. I think it's a bunch of bullshit. What if it's the guy? Really what if it's the guy who hears it? And then he's, yeah. I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. All right. You so know, is, that, is okay. there anything with you that you're like, I'm going to this is raising a red flag. Okay, I'm going to tell you this, and I can't even believe I'm going to tell you this, but I think, uh, you know what? Why not? Right? It's, okay. it's, it's, as Kathy would say, it's a day of honesty. Okay. You know what's a little suspect to me? And I'm going to like, I'm going to, I've been, I've been digging just lightly, but I just haven't had time is Russell Brand's Stay Free Foundation. I don't even know what that is. What, so he, what is it? He has a stay free foundation that is a nonprofit and maybe it's the most wonderful, great, incredible thing in the world. Um, but I, and this is just me just starting to skim the surface, you guys. So mm -hmm. don't freak out. But I was like, I want to see the financials. So it's a UK charity. So that's different. Cause I know, I know how the U S works. So mm -hmm. I was able to last night, try to pull up some of their financials from the UK government. Cause you can go on almost like similar to how we can look at the IRS tax returns. Mm -hmm. They're so new, which means that they were founded in the last 10 months that they mm -hmm. don't have to have financials in yet. Hmm. That's already a red flag to me. Yeah. So sure. I'm and like, you know, maybe it is just brand new, but I am just, you know, let, this is, this is why you guys all need to listen to this podcast and you need to get to the end because this is the next deep dive that is most likely coming. And if it doesn't, well, then it's I because guess it's you totally found out legit. It. Right, exactly. All right, well, that's good information. So you guys, if you're listening and you want to um, DM Meredith and let her know what your thoughts are on, on that, you should, because maybe that'll help her in her um, investigation, so to speak, where can we see you next? What's up and coming for you? Yeah. So you can find me on TikTok and Instagram, Meredith M. Lynch. And if you're in the LA area, I am performing at the Crow in Santa Monica. It's a woman owned comedy club on October 6th. And I would love to see you there. Oh my God. Wow. Wait, have you done this before? Um, I've done a live show, but I haven't done what I'm going to tell a story about my mom dying. A funny oh story. Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Wait, so this is like a stand up. This is different yes. than having like one of your live TikTok like yes. moments. But, okay. Are you nervous? Yes. <laughs> but I think it'll be good. Like, I feel like, I don't know about you, but like, 
I, I want to like destigmatize some of the experience of grief. And so I'm going to tell a story about the last time I saw my mom, because I think we all think we're going to like, I think people think like the last time you see someone alive is like this, like incredible, like, oh my God. And this is, but like, I'm going to tell a funny story about how it really goes, can go down. Oh my gosh. I love that. Well, I wish you the best. I think Thank that's you. amazing. Um, tell people where what your socials are so that they can um, find you if they're not familiar with them. Meredith M. Lynch. And mostly I'm on TikTok and Instagram. So find me there. And yeah, if you want to DM me some, if you got tea, feel free to DM me tea, or you just want to say hi, that too. And do you read your DMs for the most I part? Do. I do. I do. Unless they're like, I hope you die. Right. Which like, well, I don't, those we can cancel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and like, if you're 13 and you want to tell me that you hope I get murdered because I make a joke about Taylor Swift, Oh, like, well, I, I can go to your homework, I mean, right? Go to well, your homework. <laughs> it's very interesting because the <laughs> level of Swifty fandom, I mean, my daughter, you know, knows every word. And if I say one thing about Taylor, she would murder me. So I like Taylor too. It's not yeah. like we like Taylor. We like Just, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> we like Taylor. God enough, everybody. All right. Well, I am so happy that I got to spend this time with you. I so appreciate you and all your thoughts. Um, I can't wait to hear more from you. I hope you'll come on again. You and I, um, maybe off the record, we'll do a deep dive on a couple of things and see if, <laughs> if we can get to the bottom of them and break some stories. But um, I love that you are a modern day Nancy Grace, so to speak. And uh, <laughs> so am I. So that's why I think we like each other. And um, I really appreciate you. So it was nice to meet you. Mwah. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for listening to Misunderstood. I'm your host, Rachel Yucatel. Please be sure to subscribe to the show and give us a five-star rating and review. You can support the show by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash misunderstood with Rachel Yucatel. Do you have ideas for the show or want to reach out? Email us at info misunderstood podcast at gmail.com. That's spelled M-I-S-S understood. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Misunderstood.